This is our second episode of the Alternative History Podcast. I am Rodrigo Monaco Barros. I'm Brian Fisher. Uh, today's topic is And Justice for All by Metallica. Again, we take one topic, uh, we let you guys know what happened to that topic, and we let you know if we think something else should have happened with that topic. In this case, we'll be discussing the 1989 Grammy for best hard rock or metal performance it was the first year that I, I believe the first year that the category existed and only year and only year I well they probably they screwed this one up so badly they were probably you know they broke it up into two after this okay I mean I don't think Jethro Tull falls into either one hard hard metal or heavy metal or what was it hard rock hard rock or heavy metal in case you missed the Metallica loss to uh, Jethro Tull. They're more like Renaissance Fair, rock. I mean, that's not true, though. More. That's not true, because I actually like Jethro Tull. Yeah, but, like, you're not, like... They're not metal. Yeah, it's not It's not metal. It's not, like, mega death. <laughs> it's not Metallica. It's not Metallica. It's not Anthrax, Slayer. None of that stuff. I get it. It's not metal. This goes on, but... I mean, it has its place... Granted, I mean, it, it's it's good rock and roll. It's more like prog rock. It's more like, and I know this word is blasphemous to you, it's more like Rush, which... It's terrible. I could see Rush winning this category because they could win. They, I mean, to me, they should they could win every category. I mean, hip-hop, R&B, gospel, everything. They're everything. But that's a topic for another day. Yes, this podcast so, is going off the rails very quickly. <laughs> As you can see, uh, Rush is the knife in the back of our friendship. Yeah, but, so, sore subject. But uh, so Metallica lost the that that Grammy to Jethro Tull. It's well known, uh, been well documented, and I guess what we should probably just go over the uh, nexus of our podcast uh, again for any first time listeners, first time listeners or who people that didn't listen the, last week. The hot mess that was the first episode, <laughs> and tuned in for some more hot mess um, in Rodrigo's uh, uh, bedroom, room. yeah, apartment um, in River West, Milwaukee. So Rodrigo came to me with the idea for wanting to do a podcast, and we decided uh, he wanted to do it about basically about losers, and he obviously came to me to talk about loser, losering, losing, relative losing. expert. <laughs> Loser, loser, loserish things, um, which I am well versed in, and uh, we're, we're a couple of middle-aged guys um, talking about losers on a Thursday because it's it hurts to have hangovers now, so we do podcasts. Exactly. So uh, we drink water and talk about things that maybe should have been, um, and this is this is one of them exactly and when we say losers we try to quantify it or, or or establish what we mean when we say loser again when we talk about this I wanted to find interesting stories in the championships or in the losing of championships or in the losing of an award or in the losing of, a, of whatever dignity and losing dignity and losing because I, I find that as I said earlier in the last episode for the ultimates, for the best, for the champions, there's always information. You can always, you don't even have to do research. You can just put it on TV and they'll be talking about someone fantastic or something that happened. And I think that those losers, there's great stories in the teams that didn't win or the movie that, that should have been nominated or the movie that didn't win. And if you think about 
in the history of everyone who's ever tried anything, this podcast including in, being included, very few people have actually won, right? More, more people are more in tune with the losing aspect of, of life. It, 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 all it's totally. Like to win, to win anything, to win a championship, to win a award, you have to be so lucky. And I think that so many of us have been on the side or chosen someone or chosen a team or chosen a movie that lost. And I feel like I say there's, there's stories in that loss. And I also feel like, like what we talk about, like that thing that lost, was it something they should, should they have won? Uh, were they cheated out of something or were they ahead of their time? Like that kind of situation as to why they didn't lose. And those are the things that we like to talk about because like I say, we have, we find stories in that. And at the end of the day, we like telling stories. So, uh, like I said, we're looking at Metallica's Ad Justice for All. It was nominated and it went up against five other uh, five other contestants. It went up against Crest of a Nade by Jethro Tull. It went up by it went up against Blow Up Your Video by ACDC. It went up against Cold Metal by Iggy Pop. It went up against Nothing Shocking uh, by Jane's Addiction. And then of course And Justice for All and Metallica was, was who we're talking about. Sure. Um out of all those bands, uh, I mean, the one that oh, sticks wait, 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 wait. So, again, the way we do this is that we have one person do essentially academic research, and we have one person do non-academic research. So, in this case, I had Brian look up all the information he could, you know, study this album, do whatever he did. Metallica, this band, he knows about, he knows about these guys, whatever material he had at the house, wherever. I had him do that research, and I simply listened to all five of these nominees. Well... Mostly what I did was I listened to Metallica over and over and over and over again while I, while I worked. That was the basis. And I listened to uh, Crest of the Nave once or twice, um, which in and of itself is not a horrible, horrible uh, uh, album. But when you listen to it and then listen to Injustice for All directly after that, you can, I mean, it, it's... It's it's the difference between like whistling like and so I would think the whistling would be more rock and rollish and the that's metal. It's metal. I mean, I mean a horrible example of metal, but metal nonetheless. Um, so I guess. The first thing we probably want to talk about is uh, Metallica, right? I was going to talk about Jungle Tour real quick, but bring up Metallica. Well, Metallica, I mean, they 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 hit the scene around 1983 in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, Kill 'Em All was their first album. That was basically it. My, I remember my brother. I mean, granted, it wasn't in 1983, but I think we started. He started listening to Metallica sometime probably around like. 86, 87, and I just remember him playing um, "Kill 'Em All" over and over in his in his uh, in his bedroom. And back then, there was a song called "Am I Evil" that was, I believe was a cover, and he had the cassette that had that on there. Um, a little while later, you couldn't get that song on the cassette, but I know that. Uh, I, I don't know. Probably copyright things, things I have absolutely no idea about, but. I mean, it was it, it it became the sound of my childhood. Like quickly after that, you know, uh, then Ride the Lightning came out and um, Master Puppets, and then we get to And Justice for All, which is 
pretty much to me the pinnacle of a heavy metal thrash metal um, band um, and uh, the al album it was it just relentless in my opinion from beginning to end it was awesome it was a very good album before I get into and just for all as I said I listened to all five of the nominees and uh, let me talk on Death Row real quick as I say I'm a little more forgiving towards Jeff Rattle than what Brian seems to be. I'm not saying Brian doesn't like them. I'm just saying, compared to Metallica, they don't really compare. I would agree with that. However, the thing about Jeff Rattle is that I like a lot of their stuff that I grew up listening to on classic rock stations. So I like Bum in the Jungle. I think it's a fantastic song. I love uh, Thick as a Brick. I think it's a fantastic song. Uh, love the Motor Breath, like you say. For me, it's a very good song. And then Aqualung. Those are, those are classics. Those are rock songs. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and yes, he plays the flute on them. But it's a different era, and it was still kind of heavy-ish in the 70s. Not like heavy, heavy, I get that, but it's still more rock. When I listened to this Crest of the Nave album, I felt like it was like, it had real slick production, like for the 80s. Like, it, it, it reminded me of an 80s album. Like, it was, it was super slick produced. I felt like it was really over-synthesized. It didn't sound like Jethro Tull. It sounded almost like... like Jazzy or jazz rock-ish. Like when 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 uh, when Kiss did their disco album. You know, it just seemed out of place. Yeah. Like plus we had the flute. I mean, if you listen to it, the, the lyrics are solid, but it's rock and roll. I mean, you listen to that album. It's it's not dangerous at all. It's like it's like hard, easy listening. Like some of the songs to me sounded like men like Men Down Under. From back in the day, you remember the band? No. Men at work. Men at work. Sorry. Oh, uh, men at work. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it was, it was, it was like pop rock. Exactly. I had, that's the nice thing. Like electronic pop rock guitars. Like that's what I put down on my notes. Like yeah. that's, that's exactly what it sounded like to me. Like uh, the other thing I noted, like it reminded me of, like like Dire Straits, something for nothing. Like, that's that's the, I, the, the feel that I got. Like I didn't recognize one single, and it really, really reminded me of like like a Pink Floyd light. Is what this album sounded like to me. Like, uh... So garbage. Garbage. Like, I do not like one song in this. Like, I got Pink Floyd's garbage. No, but they are. Not even they are. This album. Like, if I would have spent good hard money back in the day, or hard-earned cash back in the day on this, I'd be pissed off. Yeah. Like, there's no, no even a question. Uh, so, again, when we say, like, hard research to, to bad, to, to, to real research, uh, I, I have a subscription to Google Play Music, so whenever you play the albums, they give you a little bit of snippets on them. So the only thing they said here was it was the 16th, it was the 16th studio album released in 1987. And uh, as I say, I don't want to be, I wanted him to do the real research and me to listen to stuff, but I had source material in the house, so I wanted to look it up a little bit once I heard this album. So I also referred to a book called Rock the Rough Guide. There was no mention of this song or album. I didn't have to do research, right? I, <laughs> I, I feel you. There was no mention of this song in that book. The only thing they mentioned about the, the, the only thing mentioned in this book that's anything remotely metal about Jethro Tull was that for a little while, Tommy Iommi played guitar for the band. Tommy Iommi played guitar for Black Sabbath. Sure, and he probably came to his senses at some point. Um, but uh, so. I would just like to point out a couple of differences between Jethro Tull and Metallica at that point. So Jethro Tull, you could hear on the radio, pretty much. Good point. Great point. A, a rather ubiquitous, I would think, on on. Classic rock stations all around. Yeah. Metallica, you didn't hear on the radio really at all. I mean, a little bit in '88, '87, '88, but before then, like I said, you had to have like a really cool older brother who listened to Metallica and 
heard about them from God knows some kind of dark alley somewhere. I mean, there was there was no. I mean, they weren't making videos. The first video came out for one. I was gonna say you're the talking expert, and it wasn't even a video. I mean, it was just there. It was black and white, and they just played their song and um, looked really pissed about doing it. There were scenes from that movie. movie, Yeah. Yeah. Cut in scenes from that movie. uh, I forget the name of it. Like Johnny Got a Gun or something like that. I think it was Johnny Get Your Gun. Johnny Get Your Gun. That's it. And um, about a, a a guy who gets screwed up, effed up in the war and wants to die, which is kind of what the song one is roughly about. Exactly about. So it, was, it was perfect, yeah. The, the video and the song, very, I mean, this was the late 80s, so I feel like people knew what they were doing with their videos excellently, and I thought that here was a great example of a song paired with a video where it hit you where it hurts. Like, it was dead on. Like, that was a scary-ass video, and it was yeah. a hard-rocking song. They look, no, they look scary. They look like some dudes that would fuck you up. And everything just reminded me of, like, cinder blocks. Everything was gray and cold and just, like, pummeling. Metal. Me- metal. For sure. The definition of metal. But, um, yeah, so you, you, you weren't just falling into Metallica. I mean, they, they became a little more popular after uh, probably uh, um, right when this album was made and then when the video came out. But beforehand, like, you, if you... You had to have, like I said, it, it helped to have an older brother that was listening to it or someone in the neighborhood that was listening to it because you weren't finding it uh, on the airwaves. But to your point, and you're hitting it on the head, they weren't on the radio, but they were moving units. Like, they yeah. were an extraordinarily yeah. successful band yeah. leading up to And Justice For All. And, like, and if you just look at them, like, Jethro Tull, the lead singer of Jethro Tull was dressed like a court gesture, someone, something like straight out of, like, Renaissance Fair. And Metallica, they were wearing, like, Jeans and ripped jeans shirts. Jeans and t-shirts. I still wear, like, yeah. awful jeans and t-shirts to because this Because of Metallica, I'm sure. Uh, pocket tees. <laughs> preferably in gray or black. <coughs> Excuse me, I believe it. And so, so obviously it's a medal award. Jeff Tull clearly doesn't fall in that category. A band that kind of falls in that category that was also nominated that year was ACDC. They were nominated sure. for Blow Up Your Video. Again, this was the 80s. Like, when I hear, when I heard that album... It was like super clean production, like uh, like they were trying to sound like a cleaner version of themselves. Like it didn't sound like that, like like that bluesy, dirty ACDC. It just was like too poppy, too clean. Um, and like I said, the music, the music in the songs doesn't match up to the strengths of the lead singer Brian Johnson. Like like there are songs that they do match up perfectly, like sure. Highway to Hell is dead on. But here, I felt like they were just missing the point. And, and similar to the Jethro Tull album, I thought this thing was way overproduced. Uh, it song the sounds the songs sound like weaker derivatives of their previous work. So when I just mentioned uh, Highway to Hell, there's an album on this, there's a song on this album called Some Sin for Nothing. It sounds just like a broke ass Highway to Hell. It's like it's like the same structure, the same thing. It just doesn't quite work. Uh, I would say that uh, on the album, like when I, when you hear the song Nick of Time and when you hear the song Two's Up. It made me feel like like this album was like ACDC trying to be Van Halen. Like mm-hmm. when you hear them, like that's exactly what it sounds like. Van Halen being Van Halen is terrible enough. I wish I don't like Van Halen. Yeah. You hit around the head. And of the ten songs on the album, Heat Seeker was a single, and as far as I'm concerned, it was the best song on the album. Uh, Rough Stuff was the only other song I liked on the album, but it'd be low on my list of ACDC songs. Like it's terrible. Yeah, and like, you know, some, a lot of their stuff just kind of. Similarly, it all sound, I mean, it sounds a lot the same to me. Like they get a, they're really formulaic sound. I hear you. And this was kind of like the case of that, like, like dead on. Back yeah. in the day, if I would have paid full money for this, I would have been pissed off. 
Yeah. Not no. a question. Uh, you can steal the shit now. <laughs> fair enough. But I'm always looking back in like, time. Yeah, we were exactly, paying for yes. it. We were paying for this stuff. Yeah. Uh, U.S. release date, February 1st, 1988. Again, for Play Music. And uh, my Rock the Rough Guy book referred to this album as dull. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, when I heard it, the only thing I could say was that I was very happy that they released The Razor's Edge next. Because on The Razor's Edge, there's two of my favorite songs of all time by ACDs. Money Talks and Thunderstruck. Sure. Those are great tracks. But whatever. So, they compare Metal Lies, but if you listen yeah. to the two albums, Metallica blows it out of the water. It's not even, like, close. Just, like, in the first song. It's just, okay, like... So it, is, it is a non-stop... Uh, it, the album's, like, a hundred and... Uh, a little over an hour. Um, but it, it's it's just a non-stop, like, metal assault. Um, it, the only time it really slows down is, is, is one, but then it it's such a powerful song and it picks right back up. It just kind of punches you right in the mouth. Well, I, so I found I found it, it did it a couple times. Like, this, is the thing, this is something that I find most interesting in Metallica, and, and I have it in my notes down lower, but bring it up now. They have this great ability to infuse like melody or melodic themes sure. in the middle of their bang. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that, that, that's Kurt Hammett. I mean, he's fantastic guitarist. It's really good. And like you said it best, when one, when he has a breakdown, and also in, in the song And Justice For All, they have a breakdown right in the middle of their hard rock metal, which is also very nice. Like you just wouldn't expect it. Like, like They have such range for being a metal band. Like It's, it's very good. And, you know? I'll, and during during my, uh, my, my listening tour of Metallica, I ran across a demo version of And Justice For All. Um, and it was a lot of I mean, the songs were complete, but it was a lot of like na 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 because the lyrics weren't there, and that was still better than Crest of the Nave, <laughs> even without with just na 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 na. That's hilarious. Kind of like the Batman theme, na na na. But 1966 Batman. But uh, it, it, it it's they're they're so drastically different that it it's hard to even try to fathom what was going through the minds of. The, the, the voters, people, yeah. yeah, the people who were voting. It doesn't make sense. So, do you, do you have anything to add on like like why it was nominated? Well, uh, no, not quite. I was gonna bring up your point you just made about having listening to the to the demo and how the songs are still better than what you heard in Chris and Nave. Yeah, there was one song of these five artists that was nominated that was just a song that was up for the award. It was E Pop's Cold Metal, and I don't know. This is more dangerous than anything on Crest of the Nave, like it's a rock song, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, the first line is, I play, I play tag in an auto graveyard. Like, again, far better than, far more hard rock than anything you hear in, 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 in Crest of the Nave. Or even an ACDC's album. But uh, at the end of the day, it's just a very blues rock sounding song. Sure. So it's not going to be metal like what you heard on that demo tape. You know what I mean, it's just like I say, it's, it's kind of simplistic. I was never really a big fan of Iggy Pops anyway, so I can't say I'm really familiar with much of his work. But this song is all right, but it's hard to imagine how it's hard to imagine that it was nominated. It's hard to even see it possibly winning against any one of the four yeah. groups that it was nominated against. You know, uh, again, no mention of it in the rough in the rock rough guide. However, it does mention that Iggy Pop collaborated with Steve Jones of the Sex Pistols. So it's not metal, but at least it's punk. Yeah, which is yeah. still better than edgy. Pressing I mean, the it's still. I mean, metal. Metal. I mean, metal. It, it's it's it, it's a step above punk, where it punk is kind of just like a 
three minute, three chord songs. Yeah, Metallica was, was making eight minute, yeah. like exactly. just bombastic, really melodic, just smash you in the face metal songs that were. As a kid in 1987, 88, listening to that stuff, I mean, it was amazing. It was like nothing that you've ever heard before. And, and it's kind of like listening to what we're speaking about and like reading my list here of the of the nominees and talking about the Grammys. Like, yeah, it's kind of like, what the fuck were they thinking? Like, I, I mean, like in the sense of like, they were so out of touch. Well, like, I, read, I read from a couple of places that that uh, it, like you hit it on the head, out of touch. There was it was like 40, 50 year old. Fellas that were that were that made these nominations, or that were like the voters for I don't know the exact process for how the the Grammys are are nominated, but I'm assuming that there's some kind of body that votes on um, releases, and uh, a lot of the thought process was that they they just a didn't know very much about Metallica, um, other than that they were you know a fantastic they had. A, pretty fantastic metal album that they may not have even listened to for all we know and the other being that it was kind of thought that uh, Jethro Tull needed a Grammy which is weird I get that and back to the Grammys I mean it's like this is 1989 so we've already had you know 17 years of Black Sabbath like you've had you know, I think Led Zeppelin broke in 69, and they broke up in 82. So, like, they've been broken up for seven years at this point, thereabouts. But they dropped, essentially, what's metal all over the place. Like, from 82 to 89, like, the major metal bands have already been dropping albums all over the place and have huge followers. We're talking about Slayer, we're talking about Metallica, we're talking about Megadeth, and we're talking about Anthrax. Like, these are... I think didn't Anthrax and... Public Enemy released a song in like an '87 that was like a huge, huge hit. Like, yeah, like th- there was it's already some collaboration. Like metal was already ascending yeah. and a big deal. I don't understand how it took so long to come up with the first award being in '89, and then how they missed the boat so dramatically. Like, and further my point, like the next nominee was nothing shocking by Jane's Addiction. Yeah. Now, for me, this album when I listen to it sounds like the future in 1988. Like. Up on the beach in Oceanside, the guitar on these songs are so loud and so dramatic and just drown everything out. It's like, I don't know if they're using feedback or static, but it's totally different. You know what I mean? It was it was the sound of the 90s. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I didn't listen to it back then, but, you know, I, I, I caught it in the 90s and right before the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> and and, and my memory of, of all that music was it that it put me in the mind frame of, like, 91, 92. But that was, this was... That like, was the head of the groin. Yeah, like, yeah that was it. That album was definitely ahead of the curve, and uh, that's it. This argument could be made for that one to win. Exactly. Nothing shocking for me was sounded grunge as hell, and like like I said, ACDC was trying to sound like Van Halen. Not the case here. These guys sounded about a million miles away oh, from Van Halen, yeah. and they don't come off as trying to sound like anybody. Oh, yeah, it was all, it was new sounding. And for me, I feel like they had punk sensibility as opposed to pop sensibility. And like, on the album... All the songs seem super solid. You know what I mean? Like I really yeah. like a song called Mountain Song, and uh, and, and uh, Jane says in particular, those sure. are great songs. Yeah, that's a really good song. I feel like they have such extraordinary range. Like that that Perry Farrell, he sounds distinctive. Like you know, and it's him. But all these songs, the music in the songs, like each song just sounds so different. I give him credit for that. And uh, another thing I noticed in the play music, 
It's the first major label studio album, released August 23rd, 1988. Number 312 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. That's from, again, Google Play Music. And uh, from Rock the Rough Guide. Yet, this first studio effort, packed with looping and mesmerizing rhythms, scorching guitars, and Farrell's processed staccato vocals, has become one of the most important rock albums of recent years. Yeah. Like, when you listen to that album, it's not metal. Like, you can't compare it metal-wise to Metallica. But it's far better than the other three things that were nominated. And I'm not going to say it's better than And Justice for All, but it's a damn good album. Like, it's, it's, it's really, really they, good. The, the way I look at it is, uh, they were, Jane's Addiction was an emerging band at that point. They were just, you know, getting to their sound. And I and Metallica with And Justice for All, I think, hit the pinnacle of their sound. I, I, I totally that, agree. I think, they, I think they, they hit exactly the pinnacle of, of, of metal, thrash metal. In my opinion, um, so it, it it would make sense that Metallica would win it over them, because Metallica is is, is basically at that you know the top of their their game at this point. The, they're at the height of their powers. I totally agree. As far as metal goes, and, and to the point with Crest and Nave winning and listening to excuse me listening to nothing shocking. Like how could they have thought that this was metal? Like even I can see hard rock for for this, I guess, but like. Even if you're going to say that... I just don't understand <laughs> why they would think that. So, it's... Like I said, it's more prog rock or just, like, like pop rock. 80s pop rock is what right. it is, like, comparatively speaking. Like, when you listen to Crest of the Nave, like, that's exactly what it is. It sounds like... It sounds like you can hear... Why that music's gonna go away very soon at that point? Yeah, like, you know what I mean. If you listen to it and then you listen to something like Jane's Addiction or whatever, or, or and you can hear the difference and like you can and, hear. And 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 which as much as going. Metallica was at their pinnacle and Jane's Addiction was emerging, they were just uh, going through the motions. It almost felt like on that album with Jethro Tull. And I don't, I'm not a Jethro Tull historian by any mark, but I don't know what they really did after that, if anything. I think they're still making music, but yeah, I don't think yeah, they, I, they mean, I don't think they made anything I think, significant. I in think like they had decades. hit their peak like peak, ten years earlier. Yeah, I would a, agree with you. A while ago, that's why it feels like this was kind of like a a one for them. Like a like a career. Yeah. What's the term I'm looking for? Like like a lifetime achievement. Thank you. Exactly. Right. You hit right at that. the expense of one of the greatest Best albums of all time. <laughs> exactly. When I listened to the Anderson Frawl album, I I thought it was not overproduced at all. Like I thought it was very straightforward. Yeah. Like, it's nothing but. Drums and guitar, like it's like so loud and just yeah. so like bang your head type music, like for sure. Again, the Grammy's supposed to be for best hard rock, metal performance, vocal or instrumental. I, I said it best. I love the Jane's Addiction album. It just doesn't compare in terms of the metal. Again, Cold Metal is a good song, but how can you compare it? Like you just can't. Like again, ACDC was the only real rival and competitor, and and Metallica would win straight out just after the first song. It's just so much. Here's better. how I compare. Uh, or how I say, how I think of Metallica's album versus like other rock and other metal that was kind of in the mainstream then. Metallica, they they had all the metal that everyone else had, but then they filled in the gaps where there was any kind of lull in a song with more metal. They basically took metal and added metal to it, and came out with like insane, just bombastic metal that was unrelenting and never stopped. While at the same time still dropping the, like, those like perfect 
yeah, harmonious very, melodies. Like, like melodic, it's, yeah. it's incredible. It was, it was. I mean, it it was nice to listen. To, easy to listen, and it didn't make me want to like go and smash things. It just made me feel good because it was it's just so good music. Like, like a warm blanket. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Like, uh, I like the title track. I like One, and I like Dyer's Eve. I think these are all complex songs. I think they have a change of tempo and pace all throughout the album. It's uh, If I was a Metallica fan back in the day and I bought this album, I would have been happy as hell. Like, imagine hearing One for the first time or listening to it back in the day, like, before it became the song. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and here's the thing amazing. that I'd also like to... to, to I mean, I don't, I'm sure I'm not clearing anything up for people, but depending on who's listening, Metallica was kind of lumped in with all these like, like satanic metal player, like Judas Priest play it backwards. You know? All that stuff. The satanic, and they were satanic really wearing of the like leather, yes. like Judas Priest was for uh, uh, various reasons why they were. But it, the if you listen to the lyrical content and look at the title and the name of the song, like they. The song Blackened, if you really look at it and listen to it, it's about global warming, you know? I mean, it's about how we're destroying know, Mother Earth, <laughs> Very good. you know? And and they had a song uh, called uh, Injustice for All and then Eye of the Beholder. It's like, these are real, like, they're not they're not talking about, like, go go grab a knife and stab your mom or slit your wrist. Yeah, and, 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 and go rob a liquor store and, and be responsible. Like, it, it's real, like, like, heady stuff. And furthermore, we know that a lot of that 80s satanic panic didn't exactly happen the way it's been reported. Like, you know, like, you really couldn't play some of these albums backwards to hear. No, God, no. I like, mean, like, you, like, you have to be, a, like, a borderline genius to, to write a song. <laughs> borderline, make it impossible. Make it play backwards to say something and be something that people would actually want to listen to the right way and then play back. Mm-hmm. Like, to make, like, because... You could probably make a, a song that has a satanic message in it, but it's going to sound like shit. Exactly. No one's going to listen to it. No one's going to listen to it. Like the whole point of making a subliminal message in a song would be you want people to to listen to it so you can convert them to Satanism. I would think. If I was making if it. If I was doing it. If we're not doing it, we're not, we're not advocating that. <laughs> but, but I hear you. To the point, they're making, like, complex songs, like, that, that like, just were so deep. Like there's no way to put it. Like, like they're they're well, music, so layered. Musically, like musically complex and thematically complex, and I, I think the, the the lyric writing hit its peak with with that. I I can't say that it got better afterwards because like I told my brother who actually introduced me to Metallica, it seemed like after that album they got kind of stuck in that eighteen uh, year old writing poetry about. Bleeding me and uh, all poor me and like just just a lot of real uh, juvenileistic kind of thoughts, but um, but this album was was completely different, um, and I think they kind of you know hit hit the peak, and and it was pretty much expected that they were going to win, which of course they did not. My only real criticism of the album upon listening to it was that. All them songs are damn long, dude. Yeah. Oh my goodness. They have, they have to be exhausting <laughs> to play. Um, and I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that after that album, um, their next album got more. I mean, it was still pretty heavy, but uh, the Black album was commercially and, successful. More commercially successful. Yeah, they they they, they, they kind of watered it down a little bit, and I don't think there was a song over like six minutes long on that album, which I believe. 
probably yeah, on purpose, the right? The shortest song on on um, Angels for All was around six minutes. I think it's five forty-five. Yeah, that's the last one. I yes, think, so. stuff's long. Uh, I have. It's the fourth studio album released August twenty-fifth, nineteen eighty-eight. Uh, we didn't even talk about this. I'm sure you mentioned it now. I'll bring it up to you. But this is the first album without the late Cliff Burton. Again, this is from Play Music. And uh, according to Rock the Rough Guide, surely the winner for most complex riffing category. High points include two hit singles, uh, Harvester of Sorrow and One. Well, uh, I mean, so Cliff Burton died during the... Um, he, I don't think they... Like kill them all? I don't think he complete. They had completed Master of Puppets. I mean, I might be mistaken, but I thought he died during the Ride the Lightning tour. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I think you're right. I think that they were in Sweden. Yeah, and the, he died horrifically. I don't think I'm, uh, you know, telling tales out of school here, spoiler spoiling anything. But the they slipped on black ice and the, the tour bus fell over and he. Flew out the window, I believe. He was in a bunk, and he flew out the window, and the bus landed on him, and they tried to lift it up, and then it dropped back on him. So he got crushed twice, but I'm sure I he didn't live past I didn't know the, second part. Oh, the first terrifying. crushing. I mean, <clears throat> I've never had a bus follow me, but I'm pretty sure it would be curtains. But, um, so, yeah, he was kind of the driving backbone behind their... Um, real melodic sound and they kind of um, took that into uh, Master Puppets and then again into Injustice for All and it kind of faded um, from there. According to the Rock the Rough Guide, they had already finished Master Puppets and they were, were on the tour. They were oh, they were on the Master Puppets tour? Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Um, so, yeah, so that would have been his last album. I don't know if the album was released though, because I don't think he, from my childhood re recollection, I don't think he, there's a picture of him in the liner notes, mm. or in the in the picture, in the band picture, I thought it was Jason Newstead, but I may be wrong, but I know Jason Newstead, this was his, Injustice for All was his first album, and he had a, a real aggressive vibe to him that he brought to the album. And it's amazing that to lose such a, a critical member from what I remember hearing about Cliff Burton, is that he was their actual musical backbone. Like he had yeah. the actual, yeah, yeah. like what do you want to call it, education and background in classical, classical music. Classical music, yeah. And so to lose someone like that, and A, to continue, and B, to be successful, is, is, is something that, you know, doesn't really happen that often. Like, it just doesn't. Like, I can't think of too many bands where someone dies and, like, I, I would, I would, I would suspect that if a bus fell on me... That this podcast would be, be able yeah, to go be, on. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know how replaceable I am. I don't have any classical training in podcasting, but um, not to make light of his death. But um, so yeah, so I guess at this point um, we need to come to a conclusion. Um, so this is a real personal thing for me. This album and. <clears throat> The reason why it is also kind of personal is that I made a... Uh, May I interrupt before we go real quick? Uh, sure. Real quick. Brian came to me with a document, and in it, I've already mentioned it earlier, and I, I want to mention it again before we give the answer. Uh, did and Justice for All, did it lose something it should have won? Was it cheated out of something, and was it ahead of its time? I just want to make sure we come back to that before we continue. Sure. Please continue. So, uh, well, I... Uh, Freshman year history class, uh, we were talking about, uh, the teacher was talking about Jethro Tull, and if anyone is familiar with 
the actual man Jethro Tull, he was a uh, uh, agricultural um, guru in like the 16, 1700s um, in England, um, in the UK, and. So we were talking about him, and, uh, and she asked if anyone knows who Jethro Tull was, and I was like, yeah, they're those bastards that beat Metallica in the Grammys. And she gave me a deadpan look like I was, you know, Crazy. trying to be a smartass. <laughs> but I, to me, I had no idea who this English dandy Jethro Tull was. Um, I just knew the band that dethroned my you know, mighty Metallica. And it was I believe it was that comment that, you know, brought me to become good friends with a friend of mine in high school because after that he he like pulled me aside and showed me his Metallica tape that he had with him and ever since then we were good friends so for me them losing kind of had a personal touch along with I mean there's there's that and then there's the fact that they were always seen as the underdog like it was like if you liked Metallica back then you were kind of you weren't in the mainstream you were you were you know some kind of gnarly kid who wore ripped up jeans and really tight shirts. Agreed. Because that was the era, the people, the bands that people liked back then, we know what they were because we liked them. It was Guns N' Roses, it was, it was Poison, it was Aerosmith. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I, I, we enjoyed, still liked those I bands. enjoyed 80s hair metal. Um, these guys degree, were nothing like those groups. Yeah, I Not mean, it, I, I never wanted to, you know, grow my hair out real long and, and wear makeup and look pretty. I wanted to wear like really ugly jeans and really tight shirts. I mean, I could have done that. I mean, I got I got the looks for it. You know, I, I think I could pull pull off an '80s glam rock look, but I just I just enjoyed the aesthetic of Metallica and the music better than than say Poison or uh, Slaughter. Tarrant. <laughs> Hilarious. So. Before you give your answer, let me give my answer. Sure. So I'll break it down like I said with the three things that you asked earlier. Uh, did it lose something it should have won? Yes, I think Angelus for All should have won the best performance for, for for that year, for metal or, or hard rock or instrumental vocal, whatever you want to call it. Uh, was it cheated out of something? I don't want to say cheated, but I feel like the voters weren't in touch, so it wasn't really a legit award or legit competition, if that makes yeah. sense. And was it ahead of their time to a degree? Uh, because in 1990, they actually won an award for one. I don't know if it was, it was a different metal performance, it was a different metal. It was a, it was a live metal performance or something like that. They won a Grammy for that. So, clearly, obviously, they should have won, they didn't win, and they were given an award, kind of like, to make up for it. Like, and they did win the night, I think, in 92 or 93 yep. when... Actually, 91. They won three years in a row. Well, when, when the Black Album came out, they won the best, uh, hard rock and they, I thought, um, but, the, but they thanked Jethro Tull for not releasing it. Really so you can you know that it kind of was eating them up. It stuck a little with them yeah, for sure. But I, I remember reading they won like three album, three Grammys in a war, and I, I don't have the information in front of me. But yes, for me it was ahead of their time. I'm of the opinion that uh, and Justice for All definitely deserves an alternative history. I'm going to do the caveat that I also think that Jane's Addictions, uh, nothing shocking, should also at least be considered for alternative history. And I may think that. I mean, that was really, really a great album. I just want people to know that. And if you're going to be listening to what we're suggesting, definitely check that album out, too. I'd say check out both, and Justice for All, and Nothing Shocking. So I'm going to come at it from a different angle. I think 
I think theirs is the best album out of all of them, and way better than Crest of the Nave. But should they have won, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no, um, mm. for a couple reasons. Um, one, I wouldn't have been able to have that awesome crack in that history class <laughs> that got a lot of laughs and uh, made a friend. Two, uh, the 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 whole like reasoning behind liking Metallica was was that there was something new, something different, something to be feared, something that you know it was exciting, and it kind of like uh, reinforced that when they lost that you were into something that like people mm, didn't really like. Point. That's a great point. And and it's like with anything, like 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 my obsession with the Boston Red Sox, or the when I when I did like the Chicago Cubs, I loved them because they were losers, and then when they won, I kind of just kind of you know they just they were just another team that won. So I kind of what you mean, yeah, for it, sure. It gave me another couple of years of Metallica. I kind of fell off of them after the Black Album, and they just kind of started making, doing their own thing, which you know, God bless them. But it, to me, I I don't think that they should. I think. Their album, by all means, was was more metal, was more hard rock than any of these other. But you're okay with them not winning, so. But I'm okay with them not winning, so winning, and I would. I don't think they should have. They should have won. I think it. I think what happened best suited. Who they were as a band at that time. And like I say, they ended up winning three Grammys in a row after that. So like. Yeah, it, and they're it, super rich, and yeah. like so, it didn't really matter. I mean, I'm sure you know, pride wise, but. I got a couple mil. I'm not caring about my pride. <laughs> Agreed. And so there you have it. One of us thinks uh, one of us thinks that and Justice for All should get an alternative history. One doesn't. Uh, feel free to reach out to us at the email. Let us know what you think of this show or the last show. Let us know if you think that uh, either the jazz singer or or uh, and Justice for All deserve an alternative history. Again, that email is is alternative history podcast at gmail.com email us if you just want to talk about metallica if you still wear gnarly jeans and really tight shirts and just can't get out of that aesthetic <laughs> and you're trapped in 1989 we might be like you too don't worry join the club <laughs> we can have therapy sessions together very good. Well, thank you guys for listening. Have a good day. We'll see you guys next week.